Father, it is an amazing privilege to know you. And just as we have worshipped you in song, lifting words of praise to you today, leaning on the everlasting arms. Lord, that's what we're doing today. We're leaning on your everlasting arms of love and grace, forgiveness, restoration. Father, as we open your word today, I know that there are wounded and broken lives that need to hear your word, need to know your healing touch, your grace and your love to fill their lives, to renew their hope and brighten their future. Lord, you tell us and you remind us in your word that there is nothing impossible for you and that all those who place their hope in you, Lord Jesus, will not be disappointed. So, Father, we come to you today. We lean on you, our weight of trust, all that we are. We say, Lord, without you, we can do nothing. Without you, there is no hope. Thank you, Jesus, for being our hope. Thank you for doing the impossible in our lives. Now I pray, Lord, that you would bring healing, bring insight, bring wisdom, bring renewal through your word today. Strengthen us through the power of your word and the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to begin today sharing with you, I don't know who wrote this, but I thought you should hear this. Some of you parents need to hear this in particular. This person wrote, you know, we had the meanest parents in the whole world. While other kids ate candy for breakfast, we had to have cereal, eggs, and toast. When others had Pepsi and a Twinkie for lunch, we had to eat sandwiches. And you can guess that our parents fixed us the dinner that was different than other kids, too. Our parents insisted on knowing where we were at all times. You'd think we were convicts in prison. They had to know who our friends were and why, what we were doing with them. They insisted that if we said we were going to be gone for an hour, we'd be gone for one hour or less. We were ashamed to admit it, but they had the nerve to break the child labor laws, making us work. We had to wash dishes, make beds, learn to cook, vacuum the floor, do laundry, all sorts of cruel jobs. I think they would lay awake at night thinking of more things to do for us. They always insisted on telling us, on us telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. By the time we were teenagers, they could read our minds. And life was really tough. They wouldn't let our friends just honk the horn when they drove up. They had to come up to the door so we could, they could meet them. While everyone else could date when they were 12 or 13, we had to wait until we were 18. Because of our parents, we missed out on lots of things other kids experienced. None of us ever had been caught shoplifting, vandalizing others' property, or ever arrested for any crime. It was all their fault. We never got drunk, took up smoking, stayed out all night, or a million other things kids did. Sundays were reserved for church, and we never missed once. We knew better than to ask to spend the night with a friend at, on Saturday nights. Now that we have left home, we are all God-fearing, educated, honest adults. We're doing our best to be mean parents, just like our parents were. <laughs> but 
The world doesn't have enough mean parents anymore. <laughs> I don't know who wrote that, but I appreciate that. We are walking through the Ten Commandments, and specifically we're looking at the fifth commandment that God gives us. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord gives you. This commandment, as well as all of them, are written specifically to the home, to the family, but this one clearly is addressed to the home, to the father and to the mother, but specifically this verse is to the children. Now I want you to notice in this verse, at what point does God say that we are not to honor our mother and father? It just simply says, honor your father and mother. There are no age limits on this verse. It doesn't say when your mother or when you turn 18 years of age, you no longer need to honor your mother or father. It simply says, honor your father and your mother. Well, today I want to look at two questions around this verse. One is, why did God give us families in the first place? And second, how can we honor our parents? So why did God give us families? Let me give you several reasons that I think are very important for us. One is that God made parents to represent Him to our children. God made parents to represent Him to our children. It's a well-known fact that children first form their idea of who God is, their understanding, through their parents. It's significant that when the disciples came to Jesus and they said to him, Will you show us how to pray? Jesus said then, Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven. Jesus says that when God wants us to talk to him, we are invited to call him Father. And so he uses the term Father to associate with God to show us that our parents have this powerful and unique role of representing God to our children. You see, it's from our parents that we first learn to respect authority in our lives. It's from our parents that we first learn to respect what God is like. You see, there are three sources of authority in our lives, the home, the church, and the government. They're the basis for every orderly society. And each one of them plays a significant role, but none so much as the home. And God wants us as children to learn, first of all, to respect authority, to respect the position of parenthood, regardless of the personality behind it. Because if you don't learn to respect authority in the home, you will not learn to respect it anywhere. And how do I know that is true? Because if I say something right now, many of you will go, I know exactly what you're talking about. You may be well into your adulthood, maybe even a grandparent. But to this very day, many of you can still hear the authoritative voice of your parents speaking into your lives, can't you? Because our parents are the ones we first learn authority from. And if we don't learn it from there, we're not going to learn it anywhere. Now, some of you say, you know, because my parents did not represent God, and if they do represent God, I don't want anything to do with Him. Many people are of that mindset. They think because... If my parents represent God, then I don't want anything to do with who God is. The truth is, our parents weren't perfect. None of us here as parents are perfect. Only God is perfect. And even the best parents make mistakes and have sinned. Because the Bible says all of us have sinned. Isn't that right? 
all of us are warped, so to speak. We've all messed up and made mistakes in our lives. There are some parents, to be very candid with you, that are unworthy of honor. They were abusive. They were manipulative, neglectful. So what is God then telling us to do? Are we supposed to ignore that? Turn a blind eye? Pretend that it never happened? Act like everything really was okay? God is not asking you to turn a blind eye, to pretend that everything is okay if you had a very difficult parenting experience as a child. God is saying anything but that. He's saying, I want you to honor the position of parenthood. You may not have had a perfect parent, perfect parents, but there's still a need in your life, in your heart, for a perfect heavenly father. You see, every one of us have a deep father need in our hearts. And just because you didn't have a perfect family doesn't take away the need for God to be your father in your life. There is a built-in need in every one of us, a hunger, a desire to know God as our heavenly father. You see, Jesus knew exactly what he was saying when he said, pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven. We all need a father. And the only father that is perfect in our lives that we absolutely need is God, our heavenly father. So moms and dads play this unique role of representing God to their children. Second, God made children to need a family. God made children to need a family. You see, the first thing that God did after he made the Garden of Eden was he established the family, a dad and a mom, and then children. Long before God developed nations or before he formed governments, he established the family. And the family, the need for family, held true even after Adam and Eve rebelled against God and sin entered the world. In fact, families were needed all the more. So children have a built-in need for family. And if they don't find it at home, guess what? They're going to look for it elsewhere. And that's why gangs are so prevalent today. Because gangs provide that sense of identity, that sense of belonging that they're looking for, a sense of family. And so children need a family. God says in Psalm 68, verse 6, that he places the lonely in families. Do you know that God knows your need for a family? He knows that even though you came from a broken back background, perhaps, a family that was dysfunctional, a family that didn't really give you a sense of family, that he knows that need in your life is still there. And so he promises us in his word that God places the lonely in families. You may not have had a great family life, but that does not take away the desire of a family that you need. And you know that's why God formed the church, one of the main reasons? That when you come to church, when you become a part of the fellowship of Christ, guess what you find? You find dads and moms, aunts and uncles, grandmothers and grandfathers that you never knew you had. When you come into the very family of Christ, you discover the family that you're longing for in your heart. Why? Because God places the lonely in families. Someone said that God intended the family to be the very first school, the very first principal's office, the very first hospital, the very first government, and the very first church. God wants you to know what it means to have a family. 
I read this last week about an elderly lady who was amazed at this nice young man who lived next to her. Every day he would help her gather things uh, to put in her car or help her in her yard. And one day this lady said, you know, young man, son, how, how did you become such a fine young man? The young man said, well, when I was a boy, I had a drug problem. The lady was shocked. She says, I can't believe that. The young man said, yep, it's true. My parents drugged me to church on Sunday morning. They drugged me to church on Sunday night, and they drugged me to church on Wednesday night. <laughs> you see, we all need a family. And you may not have had a family growing up. God has provided the church family around you to be that family in your life. God made children to need a family. Finally, God made families to preserve national stability. He made families to preserve national stability. Listen to this verse. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which God, the Lord your God, gives you. Inside of this verse are three needed values to sustain national stability. First of all is this. He says a family, a home, a marriage is made up of a father and a mother, a mom and a dad. Not two dads, not two moms. When God created the first two people, he did not create Adam and Steve. He created Adam and Eve. So God is saying, honor your father and your mother. If we want to prolong the stability of our land, we must get back to the family as God intended it to be. Second, he gives equal dignity to both moms and dads in this verse. Now, we have to remember when Moses penned these words, the world was a man's world, literally. And for him to elevate the woman to the same equal dignity and honor of a man was unheard of in that day. And what God is doing is he's saying, listen, both men and women are created with equal dignity, equal value, equal honor in the very image of God. And therefore, he's restoring the dignity and respect that mothers and fathers deserve. He insists that mothers receive equal honor as fathers. Third, the key to preserving stability and longevity of a nation is restoring the family as God intended it. This commandment comes with a promise. Now, some people think this promise means that if I simply honor my mother and father, I'll live a long life. That's not what this is saying. What this is saying is that where there is honor in the home, there is stability in the land. It will prolong the stability of a nation. Today, we have sweeping across America movements that have gained incredible traction that are trying to remake the family in the world's image and destroy the family as God intended it. We have movements like Antifa and Black Lives Matter that the very basis of what their belief system is is a Marxist atheistic system trying to destroy the family. They want to remake the family in its own image. The problem is, is they don't recognize that they're sowing the roots of their own self-destruction. It will never work. It has never worked in history, and it's not going to work now. The only way you restore the stability of a nation is to get back to honoring the home, honoring mother and father as God intended the family to be. Dennis Prager, who's one of the outstanding thinkers, 
said this, honoring parents is the best antidote to totalitarianism. One of the first things totalitarian movements seek to do is to break up the child-parent bond. The child's allegiance is shifted from the parents to the state. Even in democratic societies, the larger the state becomes, the more it usurps the parental role. God made families honoring father and mother to preserve the national stability of any nation that follows his commandments. So the next question is this, how then can we honor our parents? Let me give you three practical ways that we can honor our parents. First, by obeying and respecting them. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, it says, My son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. So obey and observe. Obey and observe. It means to willfully and pleasantly and immediately obey your parents. You see, the Bible teaches that as long as you're under your parents' roof, you have a responsibility to obey your parents, to honor them. For the simple reason is they're the ones who provide food for you. They provide clothing. They provide shelter. They provide security for you. And so, therefore, they have the right to call the shots in your life and the responsibility to do so. And when you're on your own, that's a different story, isn't it? I'll never forget, there was a short stint in my high school career that I decided I would retire prematurely from high school for a short time. My friend and I had this wise idea that we had had enough of high school, at least for a week or so, and we decided we'd take a, a prolonged vacation. We did. And after that vacation was done, we went back to school and everything was back to normal, no questions, no problems, until one day I came home and my mother had this letter in her hand. And she said, can you explain to me why it is the school was asking why you were gone for a week from school? I'd been caught. I'd been caught. And I was scared to death. Not so much my mom, but of my dad. I'll never forget, he looked at me and he was not angry at all, didn't raise his voice, no tension. He just said, son, he says, you can quit school if you want. You're welcome to do that. But you need to know if you quit school, you move out and you go get a job. As long as you're under my roof, you go to school. Do you know what? I never missed a day of school after that. We need to learn to obey and respect our parents. That's what God is calling us to do. Second, by accepting and appreciating them. I think it was Mark Twain who said that he was surprised that his parents had learned so much after he turned 20 years of age. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 11 warns us. It says, there is a kind of man who curses. And the word there, kalal, means to despise or to think lightly of. There's a, a kind of man who thinks lightly of, despises his parents, his father, and does not bless his mother. There is something that happens for all of us when we get older. We begin to realize that our parents were really novices at parenting, that they really weren't professionals. They didn't really know what they were doing. I'll never forget a day that my oldest daughter, I looked over at her and I said, you know, 
I have never been a dad before. This is my first time. It was like a dawning realization for both of us. Because I'd never been a dad before, and she certainly had never been a child before until now. And so we were on this journey, if you will, together. But as we get older, we begin to realize that our parents made mistakes. They didn't quite do things maybe the way we thought they should. Your parents may not have been perfect, but they need your acceptance and your appreciation. You think, well, I didn't choose my parents. I didn't have a choice in this. But you know what? They didn't have a choice in who they got either. So you're kind of stuck with each other, aren't you? But acceptance is vital all the more then. Acceptance and appreciation does not mean that you agree with everything they said or that they did. It does not mean that you pretend that they were perfect. It does not mean ignoring their mistakes. It does mean that you realize that they did something for you that nobody else did. They gave you life. They gave you life. And all the more reason, it means that you need to forgive them for whatever it is in your past that you look back and you say, why did they do this? I don't understand. You see, forgiveness is essential because all of us here, I think, many of us, are already parents. And we realize that if we didn't forgive our parents, we carry that same bitterness, that same anger, that same unresolved problem into our parenting as young parents. Forgiveness is crucial. So to appreciate and to accept means to appreciate the sacrifice they made for you as parents. It's oftentimes not until we become parents ourselves we look back and realize, wow, my parents made an incredible sacrifice. I will never forget growing up, I took it for granted. But I came from a home where my mother and father left, separated at a very young age. My mother was determined to raise her two boys. She worked two jobs. We had food stamps. That's how we made, made a living. She sacrificed an enormous amount. There were times that she should have had medication. She chose not to, instead to make sure that she had a roof over her son's head. She sacrificed a lot. It's funny how we don't realize that until we get older, how much our parents have really sacrificed for us. It means to appreciate and accept them. Did you have perfect parents? No, you didn't. But they deserve your appreciation and your acceptance. They need it in their lives. Because one day, you'll want it too. You see, your parents did for you things that nobody else did. They did provide that home. They provided a roof. They provided clothing. They provided food. They provided security for you. And I think most of us here probably earned an allowance. Did you earn an allowance? You didn't deserve it, by the way. <laughs> they already provided for you. But they gave you an allowance. I heard that Somebody had said that a father is somebody who carries a wallet that has pictures that used to have money in it. I read about a family who was taking pictures at a church directory. And the father said, hold on just a second. In this family portrait, why don't we have one of my sons stand on one side and the other on the other and put their hands in my pockets? That way it'll look natural. 
You see, honoring your parents means accepting them and appreciating them. They've done more for you than you have any idea. And when you become a parent, then you begin to realize how much they've really done for you. An enormous cost. And finally, by caring and providing for them. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Paul is simply saying this, that the Bible says the older you get and how you treat your parents demonstrates your true faith in Christ or not. You see, when Moses gave this commandment, it was almost 3,500 years before the year 1935. You say, what's important about 1935? In the year 1935 was when Social Security came about. And before this, for thousands of years, the only Social Security the parents had was their kids. In 1935, all of that changed. And today, that has changed drastically. You see, there are many today who expect the government, the state, to take care of the elderly. No, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on you because some of you may have older parents that you have had to take care of in a, maybe in a nursing home. But to honor means to understand, to give significance to. And I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on you, but what I am saying is this. There is something that happens in all of us as we get older, especially the elderly. That the older you become, the less significant, the less valued you feel in life. And yet you still need to know that you're valued. You still need to know that you're appreciated. You still need to know that you're honored by your children. When's the last time you maybe called your parents up, if you can, or dropped them a note? Just said, I want you to know I'm thinking about you. Thank you for all you've done. Giving them honor and letting them know that their lives, investing in you, was worth it by caring and providing for our parents. I think many of us have had maybe a home that we came from that we would like to have things to have been different. You can't change the past, but you can change the future. You can honor your parents, valuing the significant sacrifice that they did for you, caring and providing for them. I came across a story this past week I want to share with you. It's an old Jewish folklore story that I think sizes everything up well. A long time ago, there was a wealthy man who had a son. As the father grew older, the son grew up and began to work with his father and became a successful merchant. Soon he got married to a wealthy young woman, and they had a child. One day, the old father said, my son, I can no longer work in our business. I have confidence that you will continue to build the business. So I've decided to give you everything now while I'm alive. You will have all of my property, all of my wealth. And that way I, can, I too can enjoy your success. I am sure that, that I will have what I need too. The son was overjoyed and thanked his father. In the beginning, the son honored his father and gave him daily reports on the business, asking him oftentimes for advice. However, as time went on, the son began to talk less occasionally to his father. When his father offered some suggestions, the son interrupted and said sharply, I know what I'm doing. I don't need your advice. 
Then there came a day when the son said to the father, I don't have any use for your advice anymore, Dad. Now that I own all the properties, I want you to leave. Well, where shall I go? The old man said. The son said, I don't know. But if you don't leave by sunrise, I'll throw you out. The old father left his home and began to wander and beg. On a very cold day, the father walked by the home of his son. He saw his young grandchild playing in the yard. Please, dear child, ask your father to give me a blanket so that I may be warm in this frost. The child ran to his father. Dear father, please give a man, this old man, a blanket. He says he's your father. Is that true? Is that my grandfather? Then please tell me, where can I find a blanket for him? Very well. Go to the attic, and there you'll find an old blanket. Take it to the old beggar, replied the young father. The young child ran up the stairs to find a blanket, and after a while the young father wondered what he was doing up in the attic. When he reached the room, he saw his son trying to cut the blanket with a knife. What are you doing, my child? asked the young father. I'm cutting the blanket in half, father, so I can give half to my grandfather, but I'm going to keep the other half for you. Father, when you grow old and go out and beg in the cold, then I'll give you this part of the blanket to keep you warm. The young father bolted down the stairs and ran out the door to where his old father was waiting. Forgive me, my father, he said, for what I have done to you. You deserve my gratitude and honor for what you have done for me all these years. I have forgotten the honor you deserve. Please come in and be at home once again, pleaded the young father. The old man forgave his son. That night, as the grandfather was sitting in his chair in the fireplace, the grandchild came and sat in his lap. The child pulled the two halves of the blanket. One the old man took, and the other he covered the lap of the child. And then the old man winked and began telling the story to his grandchild. And that's how it was for many years. You see, oftentimes, we forget to honor our parents and the honor they deserve. But there's one thing I want to address here. God wants us to honor the position of our parents. We may not have had perfect parents. But I want you to know that God wants you to find healing wherever you came from. You may have come from an abusive home. You may have been abandoned. You may have been rejected, and your heart still breaks today. God wants you to find healing in your life. Isaiah 53, 4 says this, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. This prophecy was made of Christ 700 years before he would die on the cross, and it was expressing what he would feel while he hung on that cross for our sins. It says, surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. You see, what I can say to you today is this, I don't understand where you came from. I don't know your pain, but I know one who does, Jesus. And he says, he bore your grief on the cross and carried your sorrows on the cross. Jesus does understand. 
And God's desire for you is to have that family that you long for. That's why he's brought you here. That's why he brought you into the fellowship of Christ, is to restore that family. David said in Psalm 27.10 that God will even assume full responsibility of abandoned children. Even if my father and my mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Folks, that's what the Lord wants to do today. He wants to hold you close. He places the lonely in families. He wants to give you that family that you long for and that you need. And only in Jesus Christ can you find that healing in your life. As I think about communion today, and I think about honoring our parents, I want to ask you, will you prepare for communion today? One of the first things that you should do, just take a moment. Look back at your life, and maybe you came from a home that was broken, that was torn, that was painful. I want you to do this this morning. Would you come to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for the parents you gave me. I don't thank you for all the things that happened, but I thank you for the parents you gave me. Thank you that you brought me into a family in Christ. You see, as we celebrate communion this morning, Communion reminds us that the way God brought the lonely into families was through the shed blood and sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ. That Jesus took all the pain, all your grief, all your sorrow on the cross and He exchanged it for His forgiveness, for His healing, and for restoration to be in the family that you long for. You see, I know all too well, growing up in a home that didn't know Christ, and then when I came to Christ, and I became a part of the church family, for the first time I discovered and understood what it meant that God places the lonely in families. There are many things I'm thankful for in the family that God gave me. But there's a family that I found in Christ that I could never find anywhere else in the world. I couldn't find it in the Boy Scouts. I couldn't find it in the military. I couldn't find it in the sports. But I found it when I came to Christ. You see, no matter where you came from, no matter what hurts you have in your life, God wants you to know that His Son bore your grief on the cross. He carried your sorrows. And he wants you to find healing. So this morning, as you prepare your heart for communion, would you take a moment and just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the family you gave me. And thank you for bringing me into the family of Christ. The Bible warns us as we take communion, reminding us that we were celebrating, looking back, and the fact that Jesus shed his blood on the cross for us, that we should not take communion lightly in an unworthy manner, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11. Meaning that if there's anything in our lives that's between us and God that shouldn't be there, we need to ask God for his forgiveness, to remove it, and to get right with God. This morning, as we take a few moments before we 
share communion with one another. Would you do that? And let me remind you of this. This table is a family table. It's a table where we as believers come together and remember and celebrate what Christ did for us on the cross. That means if you're not a believer here today, this table is foreign to you. It doesn't make sense. But I want to invite you. You have a place at this family table if you want. Christ died on the cross for your sins. He shed his blood for your guilt. And he's inviting you to become a part of the family of God that you long for in your heart that God could be your perfect heavenly father. But you have to accept his invitation. You have to humbly come before him and say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. All my sins. That you were buried. And that you rose triumphantly from the grave on the third day. Overcoming sin and death and the grave. And you have given me, in exchange of my guilt, your forgiveness and your righteousness. You have made me whole in Christ. As you pray as a believer, would you take a few moments and just reflect and thank God and allow God to search your heart, prepare for communion? But as you do, now I'm speaking to you who have never trusted Christ. Maybe today you're not sure where you stand. Today I want you to be sure. Today I want to ask you to accept Christ into your life. I'm going to pray, and you're welcome to follow as I pray these words. It's not the words that save you. It's your faith in Christ that saves you. As you pray this prayer, would you put your faith in Christ? And then I want to welcome you to this family table. Saints, you need to pray. But I'm going to pray right now. For those of you who have never trusted Christ, pray with me, would you?